here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest Hey everyone, welcome to Real Honest The podcast where we share candid thoughts and feelings About life, love, and relationships God and church, adulting the workplace, and everything in between. I'm your host, Samantha Labatt, and you may not always like me, but I will always be honest with you. Welcome back to the podcast. I am thrilled that you enjoyed last week enough to return and hear some more of my thoughts. So this week we're talking about friendships and I strongly believe that we need to start defining friendships like we do romantic relationships. One of the worst parts in my opinion of being single is dating which is why I don't do it but the thing that I like about dating and I'm gonna preface this next sentence by saying I am not considering situationships in this and I'm talking about dating when both parties are emotionally mature. But assuming that we have that criteria, the thing that I like about dating is the expectation that the relationship will be defined, boundaries will be set, and conversations are going to happen repeatedly over time as things change. I wish that that was the same for friendships. I feel like so many people fail at adult friendships simply because they never voiced their expectations or because two people have very different definitions of what it means to be a friend. When you think about it, the golden rule can cause a lot more harm than good. It's a great idea in theory to treat everyone as you want to be treated, but whoever started teaching that didn't qualify that for the golden rule to work, we all have to want to be treated the same way. In its simplest form, I think the golden rule means to be kind because it's assumed that everyone wants others to be kind to them. But that's such a surface level definition. And I'll give you an example. So I'm an external processor. I work through my thoughts and emotions either by talking them through aloud with someone or I like journal and then read it back and essentially have a conversation like with myself. Um, When I am frustrated or confused, I want somebody to talk it out with me until I understand. When I am sad, I want somebody to sit with me and hold me. So that is the kind of friend that I am. When my friends need to work through something, I listen to them, I ask a lot of questions, I try to give them as much time as they want to discuss the thing. And you know, I am the type of person that like, if we are fighting, I am gonna stay on the phone or stay in the room if we're in person until the thing is resolved and I do not care if it takes days like I will go days without sleep to resolve the thing when my friends are sad I go to them and if they're too far away that I can't physically get to them I check in with them frequently like I'm texting them multiple times a day I'm calling them I'm like is there anything you need is there anything I can send you is there anything I can do and according to the golden rule that's exactly what I should do but The friend that wants to be alone when they're sad or the friend who needs to sit alone in silence to process their own feelings and figure out what they want to say 
before they're able to communicate it to me. Like it's causing a lot of issues if I am trying to have the conversation and they're not ready to have it. Or if we've had the conversation and it didn't go well and they need to step back and process it without me, whereas I need to process it with them. Like those are clashing friendship styles that doesn't work super well. I really love the five love languages. I think that that is a super helpful way to figure out how to love someone that you're in a relationship with, be it romantic or platonic. Um, But I also think that in addition to taking the love languages quiz and sharing them with each other, people need to define them because just because two people's highest love language is quality time doesn't mean that means, means the same thing to them. Um, so like, for example, quality time is my personal top love language. And to my mom, quality time just means that we spent time together. So like if we were physically in the same space, she feels like we spent time together and she will frequently invite me over to her house and then she'll have friends over, she'll be on the phone, she'll be working, she'll be in and out the whole day and like not actually really talk to me. And sometimes um, she's a real estate agent, so sometimes she'll be out like showing houses or whatever and sometimes she'll bring me with her, but then she's showing a house and I am like somewhere else in the house or I'm waiting in the car And at the end of the day, she's like, thanks so much for coming with me today. Like that meant so much to me. I'm so glad we spent the day together. And I am pissed off that she wasted my day because we didn't actually spend time together. Like to me, it's not quality time unless we are connecting. Like we're either doing an activity that we both enjoy or we're having a conversation where we are emotionally supporting each other and we are like growing together in some way. But to me, like if I just sat in your house and watch TV while you sat in a different room and were on the phone working, we're not spending quality time together. Or if I ride around in the car with you all day while you're on the phone and so you're not talking to me and you're not able to pay any attention to me, I do not consider that quality time. Now I shall also mention that I have insanely high standards for friendship. I am a ride or die type friend and I love my friends. I am obsessed with them. I will go to the ends of the earth for my friends. Um, And because I am so aggressive about the friendship, I expect them to be as well, Um, which my therapist says all the time that like she doesn't think she would make the cut to be my friend and that my standards are way too high um and that makes me really sad because I think my therapist is awesome and like if she wasn't my therapist I would totally want to be best friends with her but just for an example of what I'm talking about here like I have what I call the four hour rule and essentially it's how I decide if somebody is worth pursuing as like a best friend or if somebody is like a lunch friend um and before i get into the four hour rule i'm going to talk about um friendship zones because pastor holly at elevation church has a um i think it's six weeks but she has a bible study called building friendships that fit that i have been through twice now and i absolutely love it it's designed for women but i do think that men could gain just as much from it but basically she talks about the different zones of friendships where um a a zone zero friend would be like 
somebody that you cheer each other on on social media where like maybe you like each other's posts maybe you comment on them but you don't have a real relationship outside of that like you don't have any actual conversations you don't talk one-on-one you don't see each other and then a zone five friend would be like your absolute best friend like the person that you go to to celebrate your wins to pick you up when you're down, um, that like the, the first phone call, no matter what happens in your life, like that best friend. Um, and then an example of something kind of in the middle, like a zone two or three, would be like a, a work friend, a gym friend, like it's a friend that there is something that you guys have in common that creates the friendship. And if you were to lose that thing, you would no longer be friends. So this is like a work friend that maybe you guys are super close at work, like maybe it's your work bestie, but as soon as one of you quits, the relationship is gone. And this is not a friendship that you would sustain outside of having the job. And same with, this is not like your bestie that you guys go to the same gym and this like a, a friend of yours that you happen to work out together with. This is a gym friend that like you met the friend at the gym. Maybe you guys keep each other accountable. You work out together. But if either of you leaves the gym or changes your schedule and now you're not there the same days anymore, then the friendship is not able to survive without that. Like that would be more of like a middle of the lane zone two or three friend. The thing about this study that I really, really like is Holly does a great job explaining that the goal is not to turn all of your zone zero friends into zone five friends. The goal is to have multiple friends throughout all of the different zones and to have close friends, good friends, casual friends, acquaintances, like you want friends in every zone. And like, there's nothing wrong with having those social media friends. Like I'm sure I've got lots of people that like I was friends with in high school that I'm not friends with now, but I do like seeing updates on their lives and social media. And I always like and comment on whatever they post, but we don't, we're not friends anymore. I don't know them. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So it's kind of the idea of just recognizing what zones your friends fall into and then identifying where people need to be rezoned because you might have um and this are things that if you do the the study it'll walk you through this but you may have a zone five friend that needs to downgrade to a zone four or three and you may have a zone two or three friend that you can upgrade and you can invest more time and energy into and holly study kind of walks you through how to identify those people and how to go about that. But so getting back to my four hour rule that I have essentially, and I won't even really say that it's a rule. It's more just something that I have noticed over the years where when I meet somebody new, if we are able to spend four hours together, like four consecutive hours together, like in one sitting and they don't get on my nerves and I still find them interesting and like want to hang out again I am like immediately obsessed with that person (laughs) and I am like I want this person to be my best friend like I can't wait to see where this friendship goes and if we are not able to hit that four hour mark 
without them irritating me or me checking the time a bunch of times or being like, oh my gosh, this lunch has only been two hours and it feels like seven. Like I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to get away from this. Like this conversation is so draining. Then that's somebody that I know. I'm like, okay, this is a lunch friend. Like this is a friend that whenever we hang out, I'm going to choose an activity that will take less than four hours to complete, which is we will go to lunch. We might see a movie. We might take a walk in the park, but this is not a friend that I'm going to like invite to my house to marathon a bunch of movies, or it's not a friend that I'm going to like go on a trip with. Um, and that's kind of, you know, cause a trip is longer than four hours. So it's like short activities, um, work for that particular friend. So when I say that, I think we need to start defining our friendships like we do our romantic relationships. Obviously, we're going to have to approach this differently, right? Because it's very different if you're dating someone and you guys have a very clear conversation about, hey, I'm ready for us to move into the next phase of like, we're both on the same page. We're not seeing other people anymore. Like I am now exclusively dating you you are my girlfriend type conversation. You know, you're not going to do that with a friend. And I am not suggesting in any way, shape or form that you tell someone like you are a zone one friend and I would like to move you to a zone three friend. Like, absolutely. I think that would be weird. And I don't think that that would go over super well. A lot of this should be more internal to start where it's more important that you recognize these things and are learning on your own before you try to go out and have conversations. So first you have to understand what is a friend to you? How do you personally define a friend versus an acquaintance? What makes someone your best friend? And what what differentiates your close friends from your casual friends? And then ask yourself, what do you have to offer as a friend? And what are you looking for from your friends? And then once you know all of that for yourself, start learning these things about your friends. Like what do they expect from you? And are you willing to provide that? Are you even able to provide that? If you have an expectation that your friend isn't meeting, have a conversation. And if your friend has an expectation that you cannot or will not meet, have a conversation. I also think it's important to understand that you and your friend may have different definitions of friend and you may have each other in different zones and that can be okay depending on what the expectations are, but it also can cause a lot of issues. This week, instead of doing a separate section for the hard conversation of the week, I'm going to tell you about a hard conversation that I've had in the past and do a story time all rolled into one um, because it's relevant to this topic. So I'm going to tell you about a girl that we're going to call Nora. So I first met Nora at work and she and I were not on the same team. We didn't even sit anywhere near each other. We really didn't have conversations. Like I would not say that she was a work friend. She just was a girl that I knew that was close to my age that worked at the same company as me. And at the time, the church that I was going to, I met a girl named Abigail at church. And it turned out that Abigail and Nora were childhood best friends. Like they had grown up together 
all through like elementary, middle and high school. They end up going to college together. So I became close with Abigail at church. She and I joined the same small group. And then when I found out that she and Nora were such close friends, then I started talking to Nora more at work. And then the three of us would pretty regularly hang out. Something to know about me to provide some context to this story is that I absolutely hate small talk. I think it's stupid. I don't understand the point of it. Like even back in the day when I was dating, like I don't do the whole first date nonsense of like, where'd you go to college? What did you study? What do you do for work? Because I'm not going to remember those things. And I also don't care. Like my job to me is a means to an end. I have a job to pay bills. I'm not passionate about my job. If I was, I would share it with people. So if your job is super important to you and you love your job and it's a big part of your life in that way, then that's great. Tell me about it. But I really don't care about like your favorite color and what degree you got. I care about the deep emotional things. Like I want to know what you're afraid of, what you love, what you're excited about and what makes you uncomfortable. What draws you out of your shell and what makes you hide like those are the things to me that like make up a person and those are the things that I want to know and the stuff that I care about I also do not need any warm-up time to ask people these questions so that's a whole other thing in itself just a lot of people like small talk is the warm-up they need like an icebreaker and i hate icebreakers i want to dive right in that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable to do as a first conversation um and it also to people that do need that warm-up time and need to um to slowly get to know each other it provides a false sense of closeness oftentimes where like people will think that they're very close to me because I share a lot when the reality is like I share a lot with everyone like you're not special because I told you about that childhood trauma like I'm just an open book here sorry but so back to Abigail and Nora I did that little aside um, to explain that Nora is a small talk queen I mean that girl can talk about work in the weather for hours on end. I don't know how she does it. I think it's a special talent, but I was really struggling because I prefer her in a group. Like I really like her like at a party or in a group setting so that I can talk to her for a few minutes and then go talk to someone else or so that there's like a whole group conversation going on. So people are throwing in other topics and we're bouncing things off each other. And then there was one day that she um, she texted me and she said like, hey, I noticed that every time I invite you to lunch or dinner or to do something, you're always inviting Abigail. And like, yes, she's my best friend and I love her, but I really prefer to be with each of my friends one-on-one. -on -one. Like, I don't like to do group stuff, so I'd prefer that you stop inviting her. And, you know, good on her for having that conversation and speaking up for her need at the time. I did not have the skills to tell her that I prefer her in a group. So I just said, okay. And it made things a lot more difficult for me because Nora is not deep. 
Whereas Abigail is more like me where she hates small talk and she wants to jump right in and she wants to be really deep. So that made Abigail and I bond more in a way that I couldn't bond with Nora. And it's not that Nora didn't want to be deep. She's just not deep. I mean, she's one of those people that like just really hasn't experienced a whole lot of life. She just hasn't she hasn't done much. She hasn't explored much. She doesn't really take risks. So there's just not a lot going on in her life, whereas there's a whole lot of trauma in my life. And she would listen to me tell stories, but she had nothing to relate to. Like there's just really nothing any like nothing that she could say that would be helpful. She couldn't empathize. Like she just didn't have the ability. So we would always just kind of revert back to talking about work in the weather. Now, what was interesting is that I actually ended up being friends with Nora a whole lot longer than Abigail, but Abigail is a whole other story in herself in this story is about Nora. So after she initially told me that like she wanted to hang out one-on-one more and I failed to say <laughs> I did not, we continued to be friends for many years. And first I quit the job. She was one of the first people I met at a job who continued to reach out to me after I quit. I often make friends at work that I continue to reach out to after I quit or they quit and they just don't reach back. So it did mean a lot to me that she kept reaching out. I think she was already going to the same church, but maybe she went to a different service or something. And maybe we started either volunteering together or going to the same service. But either in any case, when we were no longer working together, we still were going to the same church. And then I eventually left that church. And when I left the church, she still continued to reach out to me too. So I did really appreciate that our friendship was important to her and she was going to keep it regardless of if we didn't have, you know, we weren't working together. We weren't going to church together. Like she was still making a point to reach out to me and to see me and to talk to me. It just was so stressful to me because the conversation was so dull. And I I think that she partially talked about work so much because I used to work with her. So I knew all the players. I knew her job really well. And it was something that I understood. But there were a lot of things where like, I have a lot of relationship drama in my life and she had never had a serious boyfriend at that time. So, you know, I had like all of these exes that I had loved and thought were the one and she just like hadn't experienced that so she couldn't relate to it or like I have a lot of issues with my family and her family is super close and um, like I have sisters, she's an only child. So it just was a lot of stuff that we just didn't have in common um, that she wasn't able to relate to. And like, I am a person that I need a lot of emotional support. I, I have a very, the way that my therapist describes it is I have a very deep emotional well. So like I experience like very heavy sadness and like very high like delight and passion and that made it hard because like if I am sad I kind of need someone to like sit there it's not necessarily that they have to be sad with me but I need them to be able to gauge like 
do I need them to make me laugh or do I need them to just hold me while I cry or like do I need them to listen to me talk about whatever I'm sad about or do I need them to change the subject and she would always just kind of sit there and say like that sounds hard you know and it, it it's kind of like I'm sorry for your loss like when people die and everybody just says I'm sorry for your loss which like them being sorry for your loss doesn't bring the person that you lost back. It doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't help you. It's just that like they have no idea what to say. And I think like I would honestly prefer a friend say like, I have no idea what to say, but I see that you're hurting and I'm here for you. Like, what do you need? How can I help you? Like that's something that is meaningful to me. Whereas just like, sorry, you're going through that sounds difficult like that infuriates me so over the years i kind of just stopped sharing things with her you know as you're going through stuff and you're sharing it with different people like based on the ones that react in a way that is helpful to you like you're going to keep going to those and people that make you feel bad or make the situation worse like you're going to stop going to those so she at least was never making any situation worse, but she wasn't helping. And I had friends that were helping. So I was like, why am I going to tell her about this? As, you know, when I've got someone that's going to actually like say or do something helpful. And that was unfortunate because Nora is a girl that will show up. Like she absolutely, if I would have said like, I just went through this breakup, please meet me at my house. Please bring ice cream and bake brownies with me. Like she absolutely like would do that. But the thing is like she would show up with the ice cream and the brownies and then she would just kind of sit there and be like, that sounds hard. I'm sorry you're going through this. You know, she wouldn't she wouldn't take the position of like, that guy sucks. I'm so sorry he did that to you. Or, oh, well, I kind of see his point. Like maybe you're in the wrong here. Or like, I'm so sorry that you're sad. Like, let me just hold you. Like, let's what like it, she wouldn't go I like I need someone to go in any of those directions and she couldn't do any of it like it was it's just almost she she truly did not have the ability like the the emotion was just not there like she just doesn't have it um so over the years I just kind of started sharing less with her and hanging out with her less but the when we would see each other anytime that we would hang out I would get a long text from her after saying something to the effect of I am so glad that we spent time together tonight it was so good to see you I'm so grateful for your friendship like I'm so glad that we're this close I can't wait to hang out again and I am sitting there like how are we walking away from this dinner with polar opposite experiences because and it was every time like every time I had dinner with Nora, I am sitting there checking my watch every 10 minutes like, oh my gosh, when is this going to end? And then on my drive home, I am mad that I spent money on dinner. I am mad that I wasted time that I could have been watching TV or actually having fun, just listening to her go on and on about work and literally nothing else. Like there, there was just no substance to our time together but somehow like there was substance to her. So then what I did was I continued being friends with her because I was looking at it from the lens of this isn't about me. It's about her and she's getting something from this. So that's enough, you know, like she loves 
hanging out with me. She loves talking to me. Like she's getting a lot out of this friendship. I'm listening to her vent about work. I'm listening to her vent about boys. And, you know, she doesn't have to listen to me vent because I go to other friends for that. So maybe that's my purpose in her life is I am just supposed to be this person for her and she's not it for me. But I have since learned that relationships should be mutually beneficial. So I think me looking at it from that lens would have been okay if I had not been upset every time I saw her. Like I was getting to the point where every time she texted or called me, I was annoyed. And whenever I was agreeing to, to do something with her, I would dread it. And then I would suffer through the time and then I'd be upset after. And those were all signs that I needed to end this friendship because it was upsetting me and I wasn't getting anything out of it. And when I say mutually beneficial, I don't mean that like you have to be necessarily giving and taking the same amount and and getting the same thing out of it like I think that if I were the type of person that small talk didn't bother me and maybe she's not the person that I call when I'm in distress but I'm the person when that she calls when she's in distress and I don't mind and I like actually listening to her and helping her and she's fine with the fact that I don't call her for that kind of stuff and I'm fine with the fact that she calls me and it's just more of a one-sided thing, then I, I think that would be totally fine. But since that was not the case, that's why it became an issue. Earlier, before I started telling the story of Nora, I think I mentioned that like you may have a friend that has you in a different zone than you have them. Um, and sometimes that can be okay, but sometimes it's a serious problem. So let's just use work friends for an example, right? Let's say that you have a friend that you consider just a work friend, but they consider you a very close friend. And this person, the first thing they do every day when they get into the office is run over to your desk to tell you some story about their weekend or whatever happened to them last night. And like, maybe you really look forward to these stories and you enjoy them. And it's just that if you guys didn't work together, you would not be calling them to hear these stories. Like you're not invested in that way. But as long as you guys work together, it's totally fine. So the fact that they consider you a super close friend and you just consider them a work friend is not a problem until somebody leaves the job. But it's also probably important for you to know that this person considers you a very, very close friend because if they are also expecting you to consider them a very close friend and you don't, like that's how you know that a conversation needs to be had. So I did eventually have a conversation with Nora and ultimately it came down to the second time that I went through the friendship study and Holly Furtick mentions in her study that the one thing that you cannot speed up or replace is time. And time is often the thing that separates a close friend from a best friend. It truly is just time. So like, for example, my best friend, Cameron, in the whole entire world, like when I tell you that I love this man, like that doesn't even cover it. But he is my best friend because we've known each other since we were six and we have been best friends since we were 13. And so he has been through 
everything. I mean, all the drama of like every single time that I've fallen in love and every heartbreak. And he was there when I was close with my sisters. And when we started growing apart, he was there when I was close with my mom. And when we started growing apart and through the, he was there the very first time that I experienced depression. And he has been there for every depressive episode ever since. And so at the end of the day, like no matter what other friends I make in this life, he's always going to be my oldest friend. So that's just something that like nobody else is ever going to be able to come close to. And so that was kind of the defining factor for me as I went through the friendship study a second time and I was reading that about time and I was looking back and I was like, wow, Nora and I have been friends for seven years. And I don't feel any closer to her than I did the day that I met her. I very much felt like when months go by that I didn't hear from her, I didn't miss her, I didn't think of her. And I think that is very telling. It was probably the latter three years of our friendship that I was struggling with trying to figure out how to end it or how to change it, like how I could keep it going and make things different. Nora and I did have a mutual friend and I talked to him at length about this and he totally understood. He had a different relationship with her, um, but totally like her personality, my personality, he knew both of us very well. And he's like, I totally understand like why this isn't working for you. And he was the first person to say to me, like, I think that you can save both of you some time here because you continuing to be friends with her just for her where you're not getting anything out of it and you're actually being drained. What if she needs you to stop responding when she reaches out and stop showing up when she wants to go to dinner so that she can ask somebody else and that somebody else is gonna be her true best friend, like legitimately the person that she needs and the person that needs her. Like consider that you're taking her away and you're stopping her from finding her people. Um, and same thing that she's stopping you from finding your people because you're spending all this time with her that you could be spending with someone else. So, um, you know, it was just back to hearing time again in a different way. So I did ultimately in the friendship and in the spirit of this being the real honest podcast, I am not going to lie to you guys and tell you that I ended the friendship on my own. I flew to <laughs> my best friend Cameron. I did not fly to him for this purpose, but I was going to visit him for my birthday. And since I was out of town for my birthday, Nora reached out to me and was like, hey, I saw that you're out of town. Um, but when you get back, like I'd love to take you out to dinner, like my treat for your birthday. We can celebrate. Um, and I just was talking to Cameron about it and I was like, I can't let her take me to dinner. Like, even if I pay for it myself, like, I just, I don't want to celebrate my birthday with her. Like, I really don't want to. Um, and so he actually drafted the breakup text for me. I did review it and approve it. And I mean, he knows me so well. He like wrote it in my voice and everything. Basically what I said to her or what we said to her really, um, was, Hey, I've had a really heavy heart for quite some time. I'm going to try to explain where I'm coming from. I don't think that going forward, you and I are the most compatible friends. And I think that it's best we wish each other well. I've been feeling this for quite some time. 
And since you're such a kind person and we've shared so many memories together and I've known you for so long, I really wasn't sure how to even approach it. Please understand that you've done absolutely nothing wrong. You've done nothing that caused me to feel this way. I don't want you to feel like this comes at any fault to you. To be honest, I have gone through life and I've grown and I just think that we no longer align as friends. I'm so sorry because I know that this appears very abrupt to be fair to you, I feel like I needed to tell you since you were so kind to offer to take me out for a birthday dinner and I just could not in good conscience let you do that. You deserve to put your energy into someone that's going to be able to reciprocate. So I have not heard from her since I sent that message, but when I tell you that I felt the biggest weight lifted after sending it, Um, truly it felt amazing and I assume that she was hurt by it and I don't want anyone to think that I feel amazing that I hurt someone but I do think that it was the best decision for both of us because truly like I don't want anyone I mean going back to the golden rule but I don't want anyone that's just spending time with me because I want to spend time with them but they're secretly annoyed by me and don't want to be there with me you know like I guess I wouldn't know but that doesn't make me feel good you know and I don't I don't want to do that to somebody either like I feel like it's kinder to just be honest and sometimes it takes years to work up the courage to be honest let's keep it real honest time for the book or movie recommendation this week i highly recommend everybody go see the new little mermaid um i recorded these like a month and a half ahead of time so hopefully it's still in the theater um but 10 out of 10 like Hallie was born for this role and I think that she looks so much like me so I was just like dying the whole time like picturing myself in the movie but the new songs are amazing Prince Eric is finally a human with thoughts (laughs) and he's not an idiot um so just go see it it's great And to close out today, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to tell me a story, tell me I was so terrible to that girl, whatever, um, you can email me at realhonestpod at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media, but full transparency, the only social media that I use is Instagram. And if you irritate me, I will block you immediately. Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through, you me and you Let's keep it real honest